Hello and welcome to another episode of the Golf.com podcast. This one is a bit different. I'm your host, Sean Zock, and you'll see this podcast is a bit out there. We've got a couple things going on. First, we've got Tiger Woods playing in Southern California at an event that his foundation runs. Uh, he's playing alongside Justin Thomas and Rory McIlroy. He's making his second start of the PGA Tour season. The other thing we have going on uh, that pertains to this podcast is that we have three other people in the room with me. We've got Ryan Aselta, Dylan DeChair, and Jeff Ritter, all of Golf.com fame. That's probably one too many people in here, but we're going to go with it. Keep the faith. That's how we're going to make this podcast different. We could sit in here and record all of us bloviate about Tiger Woods. We do that just about every week here at golf.com. We're going to do that, but we're going to make it worth something, add a little significance to it. We're going to have a bunch of topics that relate to Tiger Woods, five of them to be exact. Maybe we'll get six or seven if we really rattle off the, off the rails a little bit, but each of those topics will be worth a point. You guys are going to bring some compelling arguments, I hope, hopefully some inspiring arguments. And each of them will be worth a point. You can argue with each other, argue against each other. It's going to be kind of point-counterpoint. I am sitting in the host chair, so I have the almighty power of dishing out these points. And I also have the almighty power of the mute button. So if any of you are, like I said, uninspiring, you're going to get muted. But for now, the last thing I need from any of you is a sound effect. A sound effect that will signify that you have won that point. Ryan, what is your sound effect? Sean, my sound effect is the tiger roar. Okay. Which I think CBS could take into account. Every birdie tiger has throughout the weekend. Just hit the button and let everyone across America hear it. As you can see, Ryan, uh, he's at least tiger optimistic. He'll be bringing some, at least some optimism here. I don't know if Dylan or Jeff will, but Dylan, what is your sound effect? As a... Uh, a Massachusetts guy, big-time Boston sports fan. I went with the uh, Kevin Garnett, anything is possible, post-championship uh, scream. Anything possible! Uh, just for all my fans out there. Yeah, as many of there, there are thousands. <laughs> Hopefully they're both listening. <laughs> Hopefully they're both listening. All right, Jeff Ritter, you've got a sound effect for us too, don't you? Yeah, I tried to find, I Googled the sound of glutes deactivating, but I couldn't find anything <laughs> on it. Um, so I went with the most popular, world-renowned college fight song uh, on the planet and my alma mater. So it, should, it really needs no further explanation than that. Yeah, hail to the victors. Uh, Do we get points for the snarky shots at Tiger? Oh, you can because get, Ritter is going to be the leader in the clubhouse very quickly. I'll say this: you get you get points for the most compelling argument for that topic, and that can be snarky, it can be optimistic, it could be cringe-inducing, it could be a lot of things. But whatever really gets me going and has me believing that you are the authority on this topic, be it positive or negative, we can get right to it. Tiger just finished his press conference this afternoon. It's Tuesday. He talked about his last time out, which was at Torrey Pines. It's something we all know very, very well. He finished T23 at a course that he loves, a course he's had a lot of success at in the past, but dreadful, absolutely dreadful with the driver. He said today that he was able to clean that up a bit. And in the most simple way, Jeff, do you buy that? Do you buy that Tiger Woods was able in the past couple weeks to clean up his driving act? I don't think it's as simple as trimming the hedges in his lawn. Uh, no, I don't. But I also don't think that this is the week that we're really going to find out. 
Um, I mean, Riviera is narrower than Torrey Pines, but it's also not as long. And it's not really, this isn't really the kind of golf course where driving separates you from the field. It's really like, this is a second shot golf course and a short game golf golf course. So I think this is the week we're going to get a status check on Tiger's short game. It was good at Torrey Pines, but Riviera, these are where the greens are stimping close to 12. This is a different kind of test. So um, yeah, we're we're all going to be focusing on his driving, but I'm not most focused on that because I think yeah. this course is going to measure something else. Yeah, a lot of people are worried about the swing. Very, Maybe it's too upright. Ryan, are you thinking about the course as much as uh, as Jeff is, or are you more, more focused on his swing when it comes to his driving? Well, I kind of agree with Jeff a little bit because I don't think this is a great setup for him. He hasn't played Riviera in 12 years. He's never won there. He had a couple seconds long, long time ago there. So it's not the perfect place to kind of unleash his new game and, and you know chase a win, so to speak. I think it's great that the first time we're going to get to see him respond after an event this is really the first time in years he's played an event he's gone back and practiced and then come back full strength you know he played tory last year and then went uh, across uh you know the planet to the middle east yeah. and withdrew after one round so this is a chance to see if he can fix what was wrong mm-hmm. and there was a lot wrong i mean he hit 30 percent of his fairways at tory pines uh, which led to the problems in approaching the green, where he hit yeah. 58% of greens in regulations. You can't win no. with those numbers. The, the, the times that Tiger has won, those numbers are double pretty much uh, as far as the driving accuracy and, and gr- greens in regulation, usually in the 70%. So mm-hmm. um, I don't think this is where we see if his driver's fixed, though he okay. did say he switched shafts <laughs> to, to helpfully. Maybe there was a, a technological problem there. Yeah. He switched a shaft on the driver. Maybe we see a difference. Yeah, we'll see uh, this week. But as far as Tory goes, Dylan, he was 17 out of 56 as far as driver accuracy goes in hitting fairways. He was tied for last with JT Poston, a guy who finished T73 uh, at Tory Pines, shooting 80 on Sunday. So basically, Tiger was dreadful, absolutely dreadful. No other way to really put icing on that cake. Uh, I guess, don't you see this as a little bit of a... uh, positive thing i mean if you can shoot like he did perform like he did do you view it that way is it a positive that as dreadful as he was with the driver that he was actually pretty decent scoring absolutely and you're stealing a bunch of my stats over there but tied for last in the field in driving that means he finished seven shots off of the final round leader if he'd shot 65 the last day he would have been in a playoff for the win i feel like people are discounting that already coming off of that performance Will he be better than 17 out of 56 fairways? Absolutely he will be. Uh, And I think that, you know, three quarters of a degree difference in his new driver, I don't know about that, but maybe there is something to changing the driver shaft. Uh, Is it going to be better? Is it going to help his game? Absolutely. Yeah, now, Jeff, last last thing on this. I think that... I mean, like what Dylan has said, it's most likely. It's most likely he won't be dreadful back-to-back weeks out on tour. Well, he can hit irons a lot more off the tee also this week. So so are, are we saying as a group then that we won't learn anything? Like, is there is there things that we can learn, I guess is what I'm, I'm asking. Can oh, we yeah, learn anything? anytime he's teeing up in competition. And, I mean, we saw the press conference. He sounded a little cocky this morning. He said that, what was the quote? It's winning time, right? He actually said that at one point. So... Uh, anytime he's here to win, which he is this week, we're going to learn something. I just don't think the golf course demands as much with the driver. So he's not going to have to hit it as much. It's not going to be what really determines his fate this week. Yeah. It's going to be other parts of his game. I think we can learn a little bit about his putter. I mean, he putted oh, yeah. pretty well at Torrey okay. Pines Definitely. and he talked about in the press conference saying that he wanted to keep the putter sharp. So mm-hmm. he knew that was a strength 
These greens are different. He talked a little bit about how he misread four greens in his first practice round on Tuesday there. So we'll see how he responds if he can keep that putter sharp because we know for years that was his you know his strongest club in the mm-hmm. bag was his putter. One one place we're going to learn something about how he's feeling about his driver is on number 10. He said today in the press conference he's not sure uh, how he's going to play the hole. Uh, but if he pulls out driver and hits a few shots right at the pin, I think that'll teach us something. Definitely. Now, I, I think I learned a little bit about how this podcast is going to go, and I have hopefully learned to not step on Dylan's feet because he had some stats ready to go <laughs> that I might have stepped on. With that in a mind, whole notebook in front of it. Exactly. Wait, I think, he talks about muting. Can, can we mute you when we? No, we're, no, we're not feeling it. You do not have the sound. I don't have a mute button. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, as far as that one goes, that topic, I'm going to split it between Hail to the Victors and the Tiger Roar. Jeff and Ryan are both going to get a half a point. Dylan, you get nothing. <laughs> It's a really good take about how the course is only going to give us so much. Um, you know, the thick rough will actually make things plenty difficult for him uh, at Riviera. Uh, it, g- it makes me think, though, like, what is this guy's peak? Tiger Woods has come back now. He's played eight rounds of competitive golf, only four of them in, a, in an official tour event with a huge field. And he's done it at courses that he's known very, very well. Two months ago, we couldn't have actually envisioned a realistic peak for this guy, but what is his peak, Ryan? What, do you see him in the most temporary and, and most uh, closest proximity to where we are right now? What's the guy's peak? Is it a top 10, a top 20? Can he win? He can win. He can win. The, winning is his peak. It's always going to be that. And I'm starting to feel like we're going to see that sooner than later. And when you, you ask about his, his peak, I started thinking about what his goals, what motivates him right now. And I think at this point, until further notice, you throw the majors record out the window, the Jack's record of 18. Put that aside for now and think about really what's ahead of him. Is he motivated by the wins record? It's only three behind Sam Snead. I think that's realistic. I think he can, over the next two years, you look at his peak and his goals the next two years, can he come up with a couple wins over the next few years? Maybe one major over the next couple years. Then those records are realistically uh, in sight for him. And I think that's the ultimate peak of what he's trying to get to. So, yeah, I think the peak is win. And he sounds like a guy who's ready to win again. Yeah, Dylan, uh, Ryan's drinking the juice. He's drinking the Tiger juice. Are you drunk on the Tiger juice? I don't think Tiger can win this week. I don't think he looks comfortable enough in his own golf swing. That's why you see misses that aren't, you know, five yards off the fairway. You see them 30 yards off the fairway. That means something's short wiring in his brain during his golf swing, which says that he still has a little ways to go. But his peak, I mean, even on Sunday, even how good these guys are, how low they're going, you can see on Sunday, DJ, Day, all these guys in the hunt, they're really, really good at golf, but they're still not perfect. And still so much of who wins is based on this X factor that we know Tiger has had more than I think anyone else in the history of golf. Still? And I think that's like innate. That's still within him. He can get the ball in the hole. And that's why I think his peak, to sort of agree with Brian, going forward will be winning, but I don't think he's there yet. Yeah, Jeff, I mean... A lot of people will say that he can win. Hank Haney's been preaching about it now. Hank, he seems to flip-flop every single week based on one swing that Tiger has. Have you stayed consistent? I mean, this guy has changed the perception at least a little bit. Uh, a little bit. I'm, I'm kind of with the room that I don't think this is the week. Um, Everybody I don't think it's agrees. Right. It's not the right golf course. It's not the right time. 
but we're building towards something. So when, when you say, what is this peak? I immediately start thinking the long term, and that's where it gets uh, fun to think about. Like his peak, if, to hit his peak, what would that be? That means no setbacks, right? No more surgeries, no more, let's say we have a decade of perfect health. You look back throughout history and what golfers have done in their 40s. What's the best a golfer's ever done in their 40s? Vijay Singh won 22 events in his 40s. Uh, Jack won three majors. Um, ben Hogan won three majors. Tiger, so so maybe that's the peak, right? At least statistically. But Tiger's 42. He's already lost two years off his 40s. So maybe just to look at the numbers, maybe his peak on paper could be 15 wins, yeah. two majors, mm. let's say, which would still put, that would be an all-time you know, record in your 40s, but he's one of the all-time players in his 30s and 20s. His peak would maybe be one of the best golfers in his 40s. That's if it all goes perfectly. Yeah. Uh, and it's fun to think about. But that's what I would say when you say, what's his peak? That's what I'm looking at. Riviera, I don't know. I think he's 50-50 to make the cut this week. It's just not at the right place for him. But I think long-term, if everything was that the mute button? I think that Did I get muted? You just got music. muted, Ritter. Yeah, I think that was I the brought first. actual stats. It was a soft mute, but I'll let you have it for now. Uh, you did bring actual stats. We're not done with this topic. I think you might have the lead on it right now. I want you guys to get creative here. You look at at the PGA Tour, and Tiger fits in there somewhere. He's somewhere in the middle. He's not Dustin Johnson. But he's not JT Poston uh, to keep bringing him back into this. Where is, is that Tiger? Poston or Poston? Poston. Oh. That's a pro golfer? Uh, yes, that is a pro golfer. Uh, where, where is he? Is he the equivalent of Jamie Lovemark? Who's Tiger's equivalent out there on tour right now? I know it's it's very t- it's it's too early to, fi- to to really find out. Ryan, you're shaking your head. I, I, yeah, I, I'm just shaking my head because there's nothing that's equivalent to him. Okay. Because of the effect he has on tour. The effect he has on the amount of fans that come out and see him this week at Riviera. The amount of fans that will sit on their couch this weekend and watch because he's there. And, and the buzz he generates from the guys around him. I mean, he flew out there with Justin Thomas, who it sounds like he was just giddy to be flying out there with him, and they're joking around together. He's going to tee it up with him and Rory uh, in round one and two together at Riviera. Th- there's a buzz that he brings that no one else brings to the PGA. Right, I, need to, I need to mute Ryan because he didn't give me a name. What I wa- really wanted was a name, a name of a player that you think – Right now, scoring-wise, skill-wise, I know that Tiger brings everything to the table. But who is Tiger near equivalent to right now? The most interesting comparison that you can make is that Tiger Woods is Rory McIlroy, except the opposite. So where Rory has just been driving the hell out of the ball for years and just giving away shots left and right on in with wedge in his hand, around the green, putting. Uh, Tiger so far has been the opposite, at least last week, which could be an aberration, just how well he chipped and putted uh, from some really, really tricky spots. So I think that that's a super interesting comparison. All right. Now, Ritter, can you give me a name? Because I think this topic is yours. If you can give me a name of someone that you see Tiger being equivalent to. I think of it it differently than uh, like skill set at the moment and more just where he is in his career. I look at somebody who was at the top and has fallen far and is trying to get back. So I might look at, even though their games aren't similar, their lives aren't similar, I might look at somebody like Luke Donald, who saw the top and has fallen all the way off the radar and is now trying to find his way back. Uh, I don't think Donald's had the injuries or he doesn't. There's a lot of other ways that they're not alike. There's more ways they're not alike than alike, but at least in terms of from point A to B to wherever they are now mm-hmm. trying to get back, um, you know, maybe a Lee Westwood, somebody okay. similar age. 
former yeah. number one. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not uh, crazy about either of those comparisons myself. Give me a second. You chance can have at the floor. This. One second. I, I'm just. I didn't give you a name. I'm sorry. Could Tiger be trying? Could he be a 47 year old Phil Mickelson at 42 years old right now? A guy who's missing fairways all over the place, but still finds ways to make birdies, to make cuts. I mean, Phil's going for his third straight top five this week at 47 years old. Maybe maybe that's who he's turning into. And we saw Tori. It was a grind. He grinded the entire time because he hates bogeys so much. Maybe he's that type of player at this point. Does he hate bogeys more than the, the next guy on tour? I'm not sure, but he clearly does. Uh, that one is going to hail to the victors again. Uh, Jeff, you're playing that fight song. I'm going to get tired of hearing it. No, nope, you won't. Give people what they want. <laughs> yep, I think uh, Tiger Woods, Lee Westwood? Come yeah, on. Yeah, I, Luke Donald? We've got an issue with the moderator here. <laughs> yeah, well. Former number ones. I, I hand out the points here. And Lost the in the wilderness. Uh, we'll move on to number three. In regards to the ratings, it's a story that every time he plays now, the ratings on Golf Channel, CBS, NBC, they are always higher. It is remarkable for people that don't understand the game and, and the, the weekly impact and the amount of times that we put, publish stories on Golf.com about Tiger Woods. But one of those stories that we published was written by Josh Sens during Farmers Week, uh, basically saying or asking the question, are we too obsessed with Tiger Woods? Because ratings go up 38% on, during the final round of the Farmers Insurance Open. Dylan, it's a simple question. Is the golf world too focused on one man who used to be the man? No, would be my short answer. And, and the reason I say that is... Uh... Because when Tiger's in the mix, it's not just that we're paying attention to Tiger. And sure, we largely are. But Tiger makes everyone else in his golf galaxy that much more interesting. Uh, golf's got all these young stars who are, are compelling in their own right, but they're that much more compelling when Tiger's, he's like the sun that these other planets can revolve around. And when he's not around, it's a little harder to define uh, anyone in relation to each other. And sure, I like the the crew of DJ, McElroy, Spieth, Fowler, etc. But once Tiger's involved, the stakes just get raised and everyone just seems like they're playing for higher higher stakes. Ryan, do you think we can even understand what it might be like for Tiger to join the crew of maybe look at the most exciting major we've had in recent history, maybe the, the 2016 British Open between Phil and Stenson or the past British Open last year between Spieth and Kuchar? Like, do we even realize, can, can we even realize what it might be like to have Tiger added to that? I don't think we can because it was something we wanted for all those years. You know, we wanted the major finish on a Sunday with, with Tiger and, and Phil at the time or, or Tiger and Ernie, whoever it may have been at, at that time frame. And we never got, we never really got that, maybe once or twice. But it, can you imagine, a, you know, a, a Rory, Jason Day, Dustin Johnson, and Tiger, you know, lurking on Sunday at the Masters? I can't imagine what that would be like. It would be phenomenal. But to get back to, to the question, are we, are we obsessed? Um, I, I think we're, we could be self, too self-reliant at this point, too reliant on um, um, Tiger in these, in these events. Because I think what happened, Sean, is Tiger was taken away from us. We, we didn't gradually let Tiger Woods fade away um, from what we remember. And, and with the greats, that's what you like to do because it's kind of natural and, and he loses his skill and he goes into retirement and then he goes into some kind of Hall of Fame and you kind of honor him. He was taken away when we weren't ready to lose Tiger Woods. So now that he's back, you know, there's that little carrot dangling there of could he be? 
could he be what he was in the early 2000s? And that's why we're so reliant on him, and that's why the golf world is so reliant on him being in, in fields and tournaments each week. Jeff, how much of this is a Tiger thing? The guy that won 14 majors, arguably the greatest of all time, doing things we had never seen anyone do on a golf course. How much of it is a him thing, and how much of it is just the newness of the comeback, the fact that it's still really, really fresh? They weave together. Um, you know, we saw there's so many starts and stops to this comeback, too. And really, a comeback story is one of, if you're a sports fan, that's that's like one of your tried and true, most favorite storylines you have is everybody loves a comeback story. Everybody loves an athlete who overcomes whatever it is and comes back to the top of their game. And Tiger Woods has, has given us this tease so many times that it's hard especially now. I mean, are we upset? Are we going to breathlessly follow along with every shot that he hits this week? Yeah. The TV coverage is not going to miss a single shot that he hits this week. Would it be ridiculous if we're still doing this a year from now and he hasn't won and it's just kind of, you know, the co- that it never clicks, then we're probably too obsessed with Tiger Woods. But I think, I think right now uh, we see the hope, we see the potential of this one, and it's hard not to, uh, you know, invest ourselves in, in the coverage of this and see where it goes. In terms of potential, is it potentially damaging then, Dylan, that we have this guy that is 42 and, and he kind of just knocks on the door whenever he's ready to play and we throw it wide open and say, come on in, Tiger, join us in the living room because we're excited to have you. Yeah, it does kind of reek of an unhealthy relationship, at least in the... Uh the golf media world. So, so maybe from a business sense, uh, the golf media is too obsessed with and too reliant on Tiger Woods, but you know, it's not like we haven't tried to make the other guys just as big. It's not like we haven't invested in telling their stories, just that Tiger, since everyone, uh, so many golf fans grew up loving him and so many golf fans were drawn to the game just because of him. Uh, no one else really brings that to the table. And that's scary, Sean. I mean, eventually he's not going to be able to play anymore. And, and the, the tour doesn't seem to have figured out that exit strategy, even after all these years now, despite, from a health standpoint, the tour is probably in a much better shape than it was, you know, five, seven years ago when we were thinking about maybe Tiger wouldn't be around anymore. But I don't have the answer to that, but it is kind of dysfunctional that they haven't figured out a way to kind of transition post-Tiger yet. I think it's a reminder that Tiger is more than just a golfer. He's a celebrity. And like Dylan said, we have new established stars now in the game that we didn't necessarily have in 2013, maybe, when Tiger last reached number one. I mean, Rory McIlroy is a global star. Spieth, uh, Dustin Johnson, Jason Day. The game's in a great spot. But even with those guys established as interesting you know, players and great players, Tiger could still walk in and boost ratings by more than 30%. That's just, that's just the nature of celebrity as mm-hmm. much as it is sports. All great points, and honestly, I don't know who to give a point to there. So we're going to have some weird mix match of Kevin Garnett going to Michigan, (laughs) playing with Tigers. Garnett almost went to Michigan. So I'm sorry, we're going to have to split it down uh, a third apiece, guys, uh, which puts Dylan at a definite disadvantage moving forward. But we're going to move forward, uh, whether you're – at a disadvantage or not, uh, because Tiger's moving forward. And he said today that as far as playing next week, the Honda Classic in its backyard in Jupiter, he said he's thinking about it. He will likely play if he doesn't feel too sore. He said after Torrey Pines, he did feel soreness, mainly in his feet. Just He said he wasn't used to walking. Uh, I don't know if I buy that. I don't know 
if it was more more pressure and intensity of, of four rounds than he might be used to. He wants to be able to go full bore again. And I guess, Ryan, the question to you is, between now and the Masters, if Tiger doesn't want to play too much golf, how much is too much? I think he's got to play a good amount to get ready for the Masters. And it's interesting, if, if the Genesis didn't benefit his foundation, he probably wouldn't be playing this year. This isn't the year for him to come back and play Riviera. Um, Why is that? Because when you look at the schedule, trying to get as much golf in as possible, it doesn't set up his schedule-wise. Playing the Honda is much more logical. It's a home game for him, but that means he's playing in back-to-back weeks. You'd think he's got the you know Bay Hill penciled in as an automatic. He's won there eight times. Um, he's never played Houston uh, before the Masters, and he's in none of the two WGC events, which puts holes in his schedule all over the place. So he's going to end up having to play a couple events like Riviera. He may have to play Valspar just to pick up a week there. Um, but you can't imagine him playing Riviera, Honda, Valspar in three straight weeks. So he's certainly not going to Puerto Rico. So this week didn't really help the schedule, but I think he's got to get probably three events in before Augusta to feel comfortable going into that. Yeah, he's very cautious right now. I'm just curious if you think Dylan Hitty's being too cautious. Well, it's just hard to know without hearing Tiger with a, you know, a truth detector, truth serum uh, about how he's really been feeling. It's just been all roses talking about his health, how he's been feeling. And, you know, now he can sort of say, looking back uh, earlier in his career, earlier in his life, he can be a little more honest and open about, you know, struggling with pain medication and just how much pain he was in. At the time, he didn't you know, he didn't tell us that. We we got a sense that he was hurt. We could see him limping around, but still he had a wall up uh, to the press. So now when he says everything's great uh, and his feet are the only thing that are sore, you know, I have to take that with a grain of salt. And, and I feel like most people are really just taking him at his word that the, the fused back is the answer to everything. Jeff, do you think he's being too cautious? Does he still have a shoe deal? That's what I'd like to know. Is there how how are his feet sore? Is he is he still trying to sell shoes? Uh, it doesn't seem. Yeah, I'm I'm skeptical on that one. But it's fair. You know, it's perfectly logical that he may be sore with his back or his neck or he's 42 years old trying to come back. So, um, yeah, I mean, as far as the injuries go and and what he says, I think I think in a way it might just be his way of kind of checking the rest of us to just kind of remind us that yeah I'm still I'm still dealing with some things here and I want to play as much as possible but I'm still not going to play you know I'm going to try not to overdo it so I I think this is just Wood's way of kind of keeping the media off of him a little bit um, in these press conferences yeah I'd I'd love to kick it to Ryan but I had to fact check him while you guys were talking the Valspar would not be the third week in a row there is another one in Mm. between so Ryan is out so between uh, Jeff and Dylan, isn't that what we asked for back in December? Bring yourselves back two months ago when Tiger was trying to figure out, okay, how many events am I going to play in January? And uh, 14 months ago, he set up a wild a wild schedule, and he couldn't live up to it because his body couldn't handle it. And now he's set up a more cautious schedule. And I think there are going to be people that are saying, you need reps, you need reps. So is it kind of weird sitting on the fence here between – people that want him to get a lot of reps and people that are saying, no, you need to chill. Totally. And it's really, really good that Tiger doesn't just listen to the whim of the public with regards to how we view him in any given week because it changes so quickly and what we want from him changes so quickly. So yeah, we're right on that fence between saying, oh, he, you know, Tiger, don't be stupid. You need 
rest and and also saying tiger don't be stupid you need tournament reps uh all right jump let's jump off let's have you and jeff jump off the fence too cautious or not too cautious not too cautious i i think he should i think it's great for him to be playing but i think it's more important that uh he stays healthy i think just from muscle memory and and good uh good chi he can play well at augusta without playing that much tournament golf okay uh that was pretty generic jeff let's hear it well, I think the case for, what did you say, not too cautious? Yeah. So the case for too cautious would be he needs to play more. I think the one the one thing he could do to get these reps that maybe we've, we've missed the first time around the table is he can go to Augusta early, which this major sets up differently because, of course, it's just open for players to go and practice. And obviously he's played a lot and is familiar, but he doesn't have to necessarily play Houston or you know a couple of these lead-up events because he can just go hang out at uh, Amen Corner and work on it there. So... Uh, yeah, it's cautious, but I think he's got an escaper out there to get out to Augusta anytime he wants. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't think you really jumped off the fence, though, so I think by default I have to go with the chair for this one. Anything's possible. Anything's possible! Last topic, gentlemen. Looking even further beyond the next couple months or the next, you know, six months, we've got the Ryder Cup to worry about. An event that Tiger hasn't been involved with as a player in a while, and he was reminded of that today, but he said that he wants to be a player. He wants to be uh, a vice captain as well. And Doug Ferguson asked the question, would you entertain the idea of doing both? And Tiger says, yes, I want to do both. First thoughts on this idea, Ryan? It's a little bit off the wall because we haven't seen this anywhere else. I love it. Why not? I mean, he was re-energized at Hazeltine and then the President's Cup in the role that he played and the bonding he had with the younger guys, we're seeing the results of that now on tour. When was Tiger ever flying to an event with a, a, another player and, and hanging out with him like he did with Justin Thomas? That's because they bonded at the President's Cup this past year. So um, Tiger's absolutely going to be a future captain at some form for the American Ryder Cup team. Um, I'd love to have him playing. You know, they could limit his the amount of matches he plays on in the yeah. first couple days. He could take care of both things, get, you know... The young guys, their snacks, as vice captains do, and then, you know, playing his four-ball match in the afternoon. And, hey, he seems game. I, I think that would be great for the American side. Jeff, is that even feasible? Like, what 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 Ryan just put out there, the idea of playing both roles? I, okay. In the media, in our spot here at this table today, love the idea. Fun to talk about. Fun to think about. But for the team, this is, this is a terrible, terrible, terrible idea. Terrible idea. Because... First and foremost, it puts the the center of attention squarely on Tiger Woods again. It's not about the team. It's about Tiger in this weird, unprecedented dual captain player role on a guy who's, you know, has limited captain experience, hasn't doesn't have the greatest Ryder Cup playing record and is coming back from the injury and everything else. Probably won't make it on points and has to really show that he's earned his spot on this team if he's going to play. So I don't... I, I just don't think that serves the team well for him to step in and, and do the dual role. It puts him at, really, he's the center of attention, even more than he would be otherwise. Bad idea. Wait, but don't you think if he is, say he was to make the team as a player, which is far-fetched because I don't know if he's going to play in enough events to earn the points unless he goes on to win a major somewhere. But if he was a Ryder Cup player, you don't think just instinctively he's going to start doing some of the things he did as a vice captain for the the Ryder Cup and the President's Cup and being part of the planning and talking with Jim Furyk about who should play with each other and being part of that whole process. He's going to do both, it seems, naturally, whether he's a, a player or a vice captain. It's a fair question, but is that a good thing? Can that be a bad thing? 
Well, there's, I think there's a difference between leader in the locker room, like a Phil Mickelson role, the last few cups, and actually having that title, wearing the earpiece, and just being in those press conferences and answering those questions for six months. I, I just think that's a different uh, type of pressure, a different type of distraction. Fair point. Now, Dylan, you can join the table and join this discussion. Is this the wrong time to do something like this? Maybe if you have the favorite uh, in the fight, the, the, the best team, and you're doing so in America, that's the best time to do it. But going overseas? I mean, well, I think that uh, our discussion is, is almost based on a, a mistruth from our moderator here because Tiger wasn't initially asked if he could do both. He was asked which one he would rather do or which one would be a better fit for him. And Tiger was all in on he was just primetime tiger bad press conference jokes today and that's sort of what this was but really what it sounded like was him hedging his bets when he said oh you know why can't i have both uh, and it sounded like you know to me tiger would much rather be there as a player uh, is there any role in all of sports more overrated than the assistant captains on the the Ryder cup and the president's cup of course tiger would rather be there as a player but in the fairly likely situation that he doesn't make it as a player, he still really wants to be there with his friends. He wants to be relevant. He wants uh, everything that comes along with being a part of the team in that role. Uh, so, and no, I, th- I think it's a terrible idea. Wait, I-, I got one more point to make on this. All right, let's hear it. When you talk about going over to France as a road game, this could help the Americans. You see this all the time in team sports, especially a coach or a captain will will say something to grab the focus, shift it on himself so it's away from the rest of the team. Well, they go to France. There's going to be a ton of animosity. The Europeans are coming off a loss. Um, the focus will be shifted to Tiger, whether it be from the fans, the media, and all of a sudden those other nine guys, ten guys on the team, aren't getting peppered with as many questions, not getting, you know, fans screaming at them as much as they would if this was just a standard you know, road game in Europe. So many people just be focused on Tiger and what he's doing. The other guys might be able to just go play golf. I think that's a really good point, and I think that's a winning point for Ryan Celta, who just Tiger fist-pumped in here. I believe that brings the standings to uh, a tie for Celta and Ritter. Uh, Dylan, you're out, so you'll be muted for the rest of this. I have one tiebreaker question. You guys can each spend maybe 30 seconds responding. Um, But the question is this. It is Tuesday, so in seven days, we are going to be discussing Tiger Woods and his performance on the weekend, and we will feel differently about his comeback then than we do now. What do you need to see this week to feel better about it in seven days than feel worse about it? Jeff, you have 30 seconds. Go. To feel better about Tiger this week, I would like to see him hit a fairway, any fairway to start with. Uh, Most of all, the real pressure is going to come on a short game, and I think this is a big uh, page to turn in in the improved short game narrative. The disappearance of the dreaded, uh, if you want to call it yips, chunks, shanks, whatever, uh, this is the week to feel better about it. All right, Ryan Aselta, Jeff got in right under the gun for 30 seconds. What do you need to see this week from him? I need to see him contend, and I don't think he's going to win this week, but this is a process for Tiger. Process step one was going to Torrey Pines, coming out of there healthy. He grinded it out, made the cut. I want to see how he responds if he's contending. Even if he doesn't win, 
I just can't see the chip yips come into play or, or a three-putt down the stretch. If he can contend and hold his own, I think that's a great second step, and it's the next step before a win on the PGA Tour. All right, well, you both got in under 30 seconds. I felt like Ryan might have been a little bit more all over the place there when he was talking about chip yips and contending. These are two wildly different things in the world of Tiger Woods. So with that in mind, I think Jeff Ritter, Play the song, Sean. Play the song. Play hail, it. hail to the victors. We will play it, Jeff. The floor is yours to at least project about what do you think. We'll hold, the, we'll hold you to it for next week, but what do you think, Tiger Woods? How does he perform? Give me like a, a, an actual finishing. This week? Yes. Well, I, I don't think he needs to contend this week, and I don't think he will. I don't think he has to. Like, like I said earlier, I think this, the peak, the ceiling is still really high if he can stay healthy. But if I was uh, sitting in the Caesars Palace instead of the Caesars Palace podcast room, I'd probably say 50-50 to make the cut this week. Yeah. Uh, and I probably might even say miss it, but it doesn't really change anything for me long term as long as he comes out of it healthy and keeps hitting good shots, build from there. Uh, and appropriately pessimistic Jeff Ritter, uh, but victorious Jeff Ritter. <laughs> Glutes deactivated Glute. on our way out out the door. But yeah. no, there's, I don't know. I don't. I'm not a Tiger hater. I no. just think uh, this is not a good week for him. That's all. We can leave it at that for now. Congratulations to Jeff Ritter, and shout out to anyone from Michigan or big Michigan fans listening into the podcast. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, this little State of the Union on Tiger Woods, let me know about it on Twitter at Sean underscore Zak. That's S-E-A-N underscore Z-A-K. If you hated it, let me know as well uh, because then we won't do it again. I just thought it was a lot of fun to get these guys come in here almost around the horn type of episode that we can really sound off about one topic. Uh, maybe in the future we'll do it on a couple topics. But at that point, we need more compelling people to talk about. And right now, Tiger Woods is number one. Until then, stay tuned to golf.com for the rest of the week and all the Tiger coverage that you desire. Until next time, I'm your host, Sean Zock.